and welcome back everyone to D and D Outdoors. We are happy to be back. You know, we everybody needs a little vacation now and then. Dust and I were off having fun with the family, getting ready for hunting season. And as you can see, we got got some snazzy backgrounds. You now watch us on YouTube. So we're getting this show better. And yeah, we're just ready to come back and speak with talk to all you guys. We have really a special guest on today. We have Chris Chris Chain of uh, My Season Report. We've had him on earlier. And yeah, how have you been doing today, Dustin? I've been doing pretty good, man. You? I've been doing good. I, I can't complain at all. It's good to be, I guess, back. You know, what they say, you need a vacation from your vacation, right? Yes, you do. <laughs> so it's good to be back, not running around or trying to pack or trying to figure out what I'm forgetting to pack. <laughs> that is correct. It's a pain in the butt trying to pack. It is. It really is. You always forget something. I try not to. You have to make a list. Yeah. And it's... See, my problem is I need a list to remind me to look at my list of the list I made. <laughs> I, I think I did pretty good. I don't remember leaving anything at home. Hopefully not. I don't think I did. No. Oh, man. Yeah, but it's, it's always good to be back. You know it would be better? Um, yesterday, the Arizona game fish did their fall draw for deer, um, deer, bighorn sheep, bison, turkey, and I think that's all. And, of course, I've just been striking out this year, man. I think I fit in for eight different states and came up short in all eight states. So what are you going to do for hunting season? I'm going to go bow hunt here the first couple. I'll do some dove hunting. Luckily, my dad got a really – hard to draw elk tag so i'm gonna take him on that hunt and do some coyote hunting just do whatever hunting i can do and hopefully at the end of the year i can get drawn for javelina and actually shoot a damn javelina this year yeah yeah that'd be nice third time's the charm right if not the fourth time if not the fourth yeah i'm heading i'm heading to a unit i'm gonna put in this year where not the units i've been hunting lately to I'm going to switch it up finally. Gonna expand my comfort zone. Okay. Yeah, I was going to I was going to go do a uh, black bear hunt this year, but my dad got drawn for the elk which is right during the time I would do the black bear hunt. So I was like, "Oh, I guess if I'd probably elk's probably a little bit more tasty and a lot more meat, so go and I need to help him out on that anyways." Yeah. I'm more I, I'm his pack mule, so. <laughs> That's what kids are for. Exactly. That's exactly what we're for. We're here to pack it out and, and do all the heavy work. Oh, man. But, yeah, I mean, we've, we're not missed, like, really too much crazy stuff, actually, in the hunting world. Everything seems to kind of slow down in the summertime, which is good. We aren't, I guess, good Good that we didn't miss much, but bad because now you just have to listen to Dustin and I tell our amazing stories more. Yeah. But – Actually, catching up, like, this just this uh, other day, we had a – the congressman, Andrew Clyde of Georgia, introduced a the return – our Constitutional Rights Act, which return stands for repealing excise tax on unalienable rights now. Now, usually when a congressman is – or woman is putting a bill in, you usually, you know, I'm usually for it if it's getting rid of a tax. Um, unfortunately, this tax would remove the Pittman-Robinson Act, which we've discussed in the past, which has pushed about $15 billion towards wildlife conservation, uh, hunter recruitment, and so on and so forth since it was founded in 1937. It has put roughly just $1 billion in it alone last year. Um, interesting, right? So how are they going to compensate for the money they're losing? Well, that's the question. They aren't really losing money. It's going to be up to the state agencies to figure out how to bridge that gap. All this is getting rid of the Pittman-Robinson Act on the national level, which goes feeds into the state agencies and I guess the national agencies as well, but it really doesn't have a direct pack, impact on humans and money, real money is really being lost. And what's going to happen from it is wildlife will be lost or wildlife restoration. 
and pres preservations of species. And if you live in Virginia, your hunting license is about to go up. Yeah, I'm sure if you go everywhere, it's about to go up and they have to compensate for this loss of income. Really, it really doesn't make, make much sense to me, especially when this whole, whole, I guess, things that the left and the right can agree on is protecting, well, mainly agree on is protecting natural resources. They might not agree on how to do it, but you, we typically agree that we shouldn't be messing and trying to kill off animals in a way that would negatively impact the environment. Is that the most politically correct way to say it? I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not too sure um, what, what, what was the meaning behind the bill. I haven't really found that detail yet. Um, but as more news comes out, we will definitely be following it. And really, really need to get, see what's going to happen. Because there has to be a reason. And there has to be a way that we are, A, going to have to find ways to bring back the billion of dollars through, I guess, maybe a new act. Or a way to exclude the Pittman-Robinson Act from this bill because I think the bill is talking about all different types of taxes. So if there's a way you can exclude it, I don't know how that works. I'm not in um, office or anything. So, yeah. So would that mean that the price for everything outdoors would be going down? Theoretically, yes. But will it go down? Probably not. <laughs> But theoretically, anything for hunting, fishing, and like related shooting, which should go down because I believe it's like a what the tax is, I think 7%. Let me see here, real quick. But I'm not, I'm not too sure on that. I mean, oh, well, of course, we aren't. Google doesn't want to work today. See Pittman Robinson Act. So eleven percent federal excise excise tax of sporting arms, ammunition, and archery equipment, as well as a ten percent tax on handguns. So essentially, yeah, your guns, ammunition, and bows should go down, but I won't. I doubt. I mean, I shouldn't say it won't, but I doubt it will. Yeah. I'm I don't see it going down either. But is the question that I have though, is the tax included in your finer, final bill or is it included in the price for the bow and handgun and rifle? So if it's only included in the final part of the purchase, then I guess essentially it would go down because it'd be like if your state went from having an income tax to having no income tax. When did they tack on the, uh, the Pittman tax? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm not. I'm not sure when that gets added. I've never really looked that in depth to. I've never um, seen it pop up on a receipt. Yeah, either either. Uh, it is paid by the manufacturers, producers, and importers. Implies to all commercial sales. So I, I really don't. So it's I guess sounds, it's included into the, the the price of the item at the, the tag itself that you're seeing yeah. the, the price tag. Yeah, the tax, the excise tax is set by law at 11% of the wholesale pricing for the guns, bow, handgun. So out of that, um, see here, out of that, it's all pretty much then div divvied up through the state um, into it. So it's, it's, it's going to really just, I mean, I guess since it's in the wholesale price, yeah, I guess the wholesalers would drop, their life could drop the price, but I'm not going to hold my breath on that one. <laughs> but yeah, it's, we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully it doesn't pass, or hopefully if it does pass, then um, they'll figure out a way to bring it, bring the Pittman Robinson, I guess, back. I mean, it just, it's just, it sounds like this congressman is introducing bills but he's not really fully understanding the bill or um, he's not understanding everything attached to it would be my hope. He doesn't realize it would impact the Pittman Robinson Act, but 
we'll we'll see how it plays i will definitely keep an eye on that i'm not sure when it goes to a vote but when it does we will update you guys on our social media or we have a podcast podcast coming out we'll do it on there too as well that week but you know one thing that we all like to do is have more hunting opportunities wouldn't you say oh yeah oh yeah so in nebraska they have now opened up kind of a deprivation um elk hunt in their what they call for want like for agriculture hunts so it's elk that are coming down in agriculture fields and either trampling, wallowing it, or you know, kind of eating the agriculture food. It's gonna actually come on starting on July 1st to July 31st. It's gonna be private land in Lincoln, Perkins, Keith, Duell, and Garden Counties. Um, Montana residents can and non-residents can get owning at least 80 acres within the hunting area can purchase a permit. Um, and the permits will cost $20 for general residents, $40 for non-residents, $5 for resident landowners, and $10 for non-resident landowners. Um, interesting enough, I'm not sure. I, I've kind of been looking into it to see if there's any outfitters out in Nebraska that are offering these hunts that kind of use these ranches for whitetail hunting and other stuff, but I, ha I haven't seen anything on that yet, but I'm sure, I mean, it's, elk hunting is great it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty cool hunting out in a in a farm field yeah yeah and i mean pretty good tractor net to it too yeah sure you won't have to be like what we do out here like packing it out over the hills and stuff <laughs> you know um that it's gonna be a good opportunity you know i i as i said i don't know if there are guides are allowed to guide it or if you can find guides that way but you own land in that area or no family member, no friend or hell, just go get a 12 pack and knock on some farmer's door. I'm sure, you know, you can find something there where you will be able to um, maybe get yourself a nice Nebraska elk and seeing farm food. So it's probably well-fed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, we would like to, we're going to take a quick break here from our word, quick word from our sponsor, Pro. And we will be right back from with Chris of My Season Report. 100% American made. Pure Pro is the leading company for outdoor cushions. With multiple comfortable styles to meet your hunting and fishing needs. Like their flat cushions, low back cushions, or high back cushions. Don't forget about the rail sleeves. Check out which style best fits your needs at pure-pro.com. We would like to welcome on Chris from My Season Report. You know, we've had him on before and love to have him back. You know, always good to catch up with more people. And, you know, kind of, I mean, since last time we had you on, I feel like My Season Report has really just taken off and has ex expanded in a great way. Yeah, I appreciate having me on again. Uh, it's grown a lot since we last uh, spoke. I think it was just hunting when we spoke last time. And yeah, uh, it was last summer, right? It wasn't even in the yeah. fall hunting season, correct? Yeah, it was right. It was pretty much right, I feel, after you launched it, um, you know. Oh, I, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty fresh, fresh off the press, or I guess fresh in the well, cool. internet. Yeah, it's, it's changed well, immensely. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll run you through the, the changes. So last uh, fall, my buddy came up from Louisiana and we had our excellent deer camp and we found, or we got a deer and then also found some chicken in the woods mushrooms. And I had been playing with the idea of rounding it out more than just hunting. Uh, Cause I pursue all these different pursuits of, of food myself. And um, we were Sitting there having that meal of fresh backstrap that was you could point in that direction and then chicken in the woods that you could point in that direction and all coming together perfectly on a plate and we just realized like oh if i do it i should definitely add foraging gardening and that's that's what i did so in the winter i got busy on creating an almanac for the lower 48 uh, and it it contains your normal gardening almanac information like uh, 
you know, when your tomatoes should go in the ground, but I broke it into like sowing seed, uh, transplanting, you just vegetative growth stage, and then when you can expect a harvest. And so everything you could basically buy at a Lowe's or a Home Depot or something like that, it, it has in that database, along with location specific uh, times for those different stages of life. And then I added the foraging information for mushrooms and fruit and all the things that you can find in the woods during hunting season. Yeah, no, it's, it's when I logged on and I saw you pushed up that uh, gardening update and growing, I was like, this is going to be great because I tried to have a garden out here like during COVID, my family and I, and nothing grew. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was bad. I mean, it probably doesn't help within the 100 degrees summer heat here in Arizona. But, you know, being able now to, I'm actually like planning out when I'm going to start everything with my kids so we can go ahead and get stuff and actually not be pulling out carrots that are just the uh, little green tops and watching everything else die yeah. in front of us. <laughs> no, I, I completely get that. And it's been interesting hearing people like yourself and people across the country really uh, getting this feedback of, hey, I'm a hunter. I never really did a garden before, but this makes it all easy and uh, and they like the uh, the concept and here and then constructing that database and seeing the wildly different times of year i mean some seasons don't start until late may some like yourself are split into like a sliver in the spring and a sliver <laughs> in the fall it was really cool watching how the heat really plays a, a role and when you can plant stuff and, and when you can't yeah i mean essentially you kind of became, I guess, the new age farmer, farmer's almanac in a way. Because yeah, I've been playing around with uh, calling it like the hunter's almanac or or the modernized almanac. But I think an almanac is exactly what it is. Yeah, I mean, just I mean, it, it makes I mean everything that my season report does. I mean, because for someone like myself, where I kind of put in throughout throughout the country, even though no game and fish seems to like me whatsoever, because I haven't been drawing that all this year. <laughs> But really going in there and planning out the even the different hunt dates for like when I put in for, say, the Virginia elk and then I put in for Utah and Arizona, I can go in and see when things are going to overlap. And probably if I haven't heard of draw results, try to change it up so I won't be having to possibly getting drawn for two hunts in the same week. Oh, exactly. And and with that, I've heard from from uh, some people who get it not just for their personal selves, but kind of for their family. And if you're anything like, like me or these people that gave me this feedback and I realized, oh, I, this actually is pretty beneficial is where you know the, the dates and you know what weekend you're, you got in your head, but communicating that to other members of your family who don't have that information right in front of them, it causes a lot of conflict. But uh, it was really cool to hear people say like, yeah, it's actually causing us less arguments because we're operating on the same calendar of what we're going to do when I'm like, Oh, all right. I throw in marriage counseling as well. <laughs> like a multi. <laughs> right. That should be the, the, the marital tier. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. Well, that's great. Yeah, I mean, you have, um, I guess what, what's kind of your expansion and I mean, has kept going. I mean, with it, I see, you know, you've really expanded out throughout the hunting community as well. I mean, it's probably, you're probably growing at a pretty dang good pace right now. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's been a lot of work and a lot of fun and it's pretty cool watching everything grow. And, um, you know, so I did all that during the winter and cause it was just this downtime. I needed to talk about something and it just paired so well, but then in the winter, I also realized like, there's no reason why I should be stuck on last year's dates because a lot of these things don't come out until, you know, August. And, you know, it just creates a, a situation where like you could create auto updating things which work well, but then they change the website and it stops working. And so it, it's all these different things about how to like construct that, that rolling calendar for everybody across the country to use at once because you could have a really good in-state experience. Uh, and if I didn't like construct the forecasted dates for when I expect next, uh, next fall to be operating on, you would be limited to your in-state and you'd have to, uh, to think about uh, finding different ways to find other state information, which is a horribly convoluted way of saying, I forecasted the hunting dates for, <laughs> for next year. I got, I got lost halfway through that sentence. So, so 
so that's that's really cool so you can really i could be sitting in deer camp this year and be like all right well let's see what next year's deer camp is going to be essentially yeah yeah so in the off season you can take a look forward and kind of start planning with your friends and not wait until six months goes by stuff like that that's gonna be nice yeah i'm not i'm not the best planner (laughs) sorry i had a uh Somebody, a neighbor's dog walked through my, my yard behind where I was viewing. And that last sentence, I kind of got lost watching the dog. <laughs> you got to add some fun to it, right? That's the best part yeah, about, uh, yeah. about talking face to face. You know, you can get to see all the expressions and kind of the one off. have to put a well, shirt on that, now to record. <laughs> exactly. I know. I, last time I was completely nude. No. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, what was that? You too. Oh, you too. nice. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. I right, so. But um, I mean, how? Yeah. How have you? How's your hunting been and fishing? I mean, I know you go on been on some good adventures lately. I mean, heck, even. I mean, your food yesterday, as I commented, that looked amazing. Oh yeah, no, it's it's reaching that time of the year where I get to really enjoy all that that fall meat and making barbacoa tacos uh, overnight tonight, and I smoke some cheddar. Uh, over the weekend so putting those two together and um you know with the dog that that came through here i have something stealing all the squash from my garden too so you know it's not like expanding into a garden is going to be blissful you'll discover a whole new host of of problems that you have to fix yeah oh man i could only imagine i can't grow stuff and but, then uh, if it's going to come to the point where i'm growing stuff and stuff's getting taken i'm just gonna be like i can give up yeah <laughs> no. but uh you asked about hunting um at this point, we're really just getting out fishing a lot in the, the streams and the lakes out here in Virginia. But, um, you know, I put in for the, the elk hunt as well. I didn't draw. I saw that you, uh, you didn't draw either. I put in no. for Kentucky and Virginia. And I think I did Pennsylvania, but Pennsylvania is a, a really hard, hard state to draw. But, um, yeah, so it's just going to be uh, whitetail for me this year, whitetail and, and black bear, which is – those are two excellent options. Yeah, no, I think black bear is definitely on my list. Something need to, I want to go hunting for out here. You know, it's it's more of a unique experience, I guess, out here because here you get a you have two kind of options of hunting black bear. You can hunt them into like the traditionals in the forest, but you also can get them the transition deserts, which it's pretty cool when you see pictures out here of black bears with just desert and cactus all around them. Oh, that'd be super cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think I, I've encountered plenty of them in, uh, in well, not plenty, plenty in Virginia. I've encountered a few in Colorado, but um, never down in Arizona. I mean, I, it's hard to even picture a bear in Arizona. Yeah. I know there's a season for it, but yeah. Yeah, they'll come down and um, eat the prickly pear fruit and all that and then head back up into the forest and yeah, just go on their merry way. Like they get, they get decent size out here, but I mean, it's weird because you'll find they're found all the way from the Mexico border up to the Grand Canyon, just dispersed wow. out. Hmm. I, I was surprised to, to learn that there's a lot in Louisiana as well, because uh, I lived there for a long time, never saw any, or never really heard of any. And then constructing the database, all of a sudden I see there's a healthy population there. And uh, they're everywhere all over this continent. Yeah, they really, they're like coyotes. You just don't expect them and they pop up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Have man. you had a chance to harvest a bear yet? I did. Uh, that's why I was asking when we spoke last time, because I got a bear with my bow uh, first day of opening season last fall. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a male. He came up my scent line, so I thought he wasn't going to stick around for long, but then he just kept kind of coming. I actually I wanted a deer that day so bad I stood up and uh took my head cover off and yelled in his direction and he just was not interested in leaving me alone and kept walking right up my scent towards my tree I'm like ah all right I mean I have a tag you're nice size I didn't expect to do this today so. <laughs> Ooh, a little bit have more heavy of what's that have you had a chance to cook any of it oh yeah I, I have been eating through it I actually had some this weekend some sausage I made yeah have you uh have you ever got a bear i have not i'm sure you've seen plenty some meat off of a couple bears he's taken but 
you know, a few years ago, I had a buddy offer me some, uh, some canned meat and nothing against canned meat, but I didn't want my first <laughs> bear meat to be, uh, you know, for, with such a high amount of salt and everything that goes into canning. Like, I, I feel like that's going to taint what I think of meat as, but, uh, I'm glad I waited because this thing <laughs> was so good. I, I've, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed cooking it. No, I, I bet that's like, yeah, I'm just, just, I already see like canned meat in the store and stuff. I'm like, oh man, like I don't, I don't, I've never tried it. I mean, I'm like a human garbage disposal. I'll eat anything, but canned meat, I'm not <laughs> too sure. But I mean, what else have you made with your bear? Uh, starting to get into some roasts. Uh, really, just I made so much sausage. That was the first time I ever made sausage, so I didn't realize how much of uh, how much meat I put aside and what that would translate into. And so I'm probably just getting through the last bits of that uh, before I start experimenting i mean i've had some um i made a, a pizza with some black bear which was pretty good uh just some some pizza some buffalo sauce and uh some cheese which i was kind of just using up the last bit of of another recipe and it turned out to be awesome i haven't found an application that i don't like it that sounds amazing oh man yeah that sounds really good i'm kind of kind of jealous <laughs> Now, it's a lot of people talk about keeping the fat off of it. Was a lot of fat on it to where you got to keep it? Uh, no, uh, part of it was my my first time skinning one out. Uh, I think I didn't discover some of it until it had already been too long because uh, I got to work right away on it, but it was a really hot night. And I didn't, I, my my focus was on the meat. And I put that all up in a freezer and did everything I needed to do. But I discovered some fat a little too late and there were a little too many bugs on it and stuff but even still it wasn't a very fat bear but he was eating everything he could see so i think he was on that ascent of really like putting on some weight that's my goal if i get one this year to find a nice plump one uh with a lot of fat because i'd love to make i love the concept of making your own oil and using it all year long that'd be really cool yeah would, um, so for bear hunting in like Virginia, can you guys like use scents and bait them in or and run them with dogs or cause I, everything I talk to Dustin all the time and I'm telling him like what we can do out here is like, what do you mean you can't do that? Or we can do this out here. Like, cause it's so strict out in the West about stuff. I know you can, uh, run dogs, okay. um, which is another unforeseen benefit of season report. My buddy at deer camp. We were sitting there and we heard all these hounds banging these, uh, pushing these, these bear to the point where we actually had one run right on this side of the cabin. And then a mom and three cubs run on the other side of the cabin all <sighs> within an hour apart. And we thought we, we thought these people might be doing the wrong thing and we pulled it up. Oh, no, actually it's, it's dog season right now. They're completely within their right. Uh, but I don't, I haven't included bait or no baiting on every state and I can't remember. I don't think you can bait in Virginia. My default is no baiting. Is that that's correct? Yeah, you get caught baiting, that's a big fine. Right, and if, it's, uh, if it doesn't explicitly say baiting, uh, I, I don't even think about adding so where somebody could read the word and be like, oh, I read bait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can blame you for their inability to read, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> well, that's part of it. Part of something that I, I put in there, kind of, uh, you, know, you still have to go and double check all the references. This is really kind of an almanac and a planning tool, right? When you're going to purchase a hunting license, that's a contract between you and the state. And I, at that point, I am no longer involved. Oh, heck, even when I get my tags from this like game and fish, I still double check them because <laughs> they've came yeah. in with my, yeah. with my name wrong before and all this other stuff. I'm like, I always am checking it on. Oh yeah. Oh man. Well, yeah. What's, what's next for my season report? I mean, you're expanding, you know, really growing so quick. Is there any inside scoops you can give us or anything you're planning to do next or just kind of focusing uh, on hunting season now? So there's, there's are a lot of things in the work right works right now. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the fall and, and then especially the new year. Um, I don't want to say anything too early. No, you're there's fine. Some, some really big things going on, but um, I could say for this season, you can expect to see a full expansion into Canada for hunting. Okay. Uh, oh, so awesome. it's really a, it's a North American 
uh, almanac, and then I'll be adding Canadian foraging and, and gardening in the fall and the winter. That'd be that's gonna be really cool. I've always wanted to get up to Canada to hunt too. I just want to hunt everywhere. I just wish hunting wasn't so dang oh, expensive. Yeah. Like I look back on some of these older pictures and like people are there with like huge mule deers and huge elk and they have like 10 of them on a pole. I'm like, dang. And it was only cost by like 10 cents back in the day to do all that. And now I'm like, crap, I'm going to get drawn for bighorn sheep and buffalo in Arizona. If that ever happened in the same year, that's 10 grand down the toilet right there. <laughs> that's before, that's just for about the tags. That's before I could even get out there to go hunting and everything else that comes with it. That's really, uh, honey, uh, we have to have a conversation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you, you know, I always say you don't need to get your nails done and all that. You can go to the spa, do whatever you want. I'll take care of the credit card bill this couple months. Don't look at it. We'll be good to go. <laughs> I think I would. I think I would approach it like this is a this is a life thing. It's never coming yeah. back again. <laughs> yeah, true. And you say I annoy you at times. I'm just thinking of all the space you're gonna get. <laughs> oh man! Uh, but no, we're doing a Canadian expansion and then um, slowly integrating fishing. I'm just really trying to hear from the community and see what they prefer because there's a million different ways you could present it and so yeah. i have a few different um experiments running where i'm looking for feedback specifically about a format that was that was gonna be one of my questions have you looked at fishing yet yeah the... i started with the uh you know there's there's a lot to do and i'm the only guy of uh, seasonreport.com so it's all it's a one-man operation and um you know with that i'm just trying to balance what i can do delivering the most complete uh way versus kind of hopping from state to state and that being said i've done a lot of the coastal states uh virginia i have not uh or i've played around with virginia i think it because it's my home state i've been so peculiar with like different ways and um i wanted to tackle the saltwater and the freshwater states so i could kind of tackle the biggest things first because yeah. if you look interior it, it's a lot of just the same species pretty much all year long we're really just talking slot limits and so um just how to make that because if you log on your your profile dashboard is just every every food opportunity you saved and so i was really conscious with not letting like one species become so dominant and so uh, that's why i'm playing around with a, a few different things uh for fishing but it's on its way in a much more when the app is developed it's uh it's a much more complete seamless experience Gotcha. Yeah, it's have like ten different versions so you finally kind of hit. I mean, the perfect one. But I mean, I mean, I I really enjoy it now. So I can't. I guess the better, more user friendly it would be. Maybe I'll. I mean, I use it all the time still. So I love it. Oh, I'm so happy yeah. to hear that, man. So yeah, I'm all, I'm all. I'm all. I'm one of those. I'll just get curious and I'll just go. I'll log on and start looking through like random states. That's actually how. I've started applying to some of these other hunts was just like, oh, I don't know, you could hunt this and this. Like, I think, was it elk yeah. in Pennsylvania you were talking about earlier? I think that was it. And it was like, you can hunt elk in Pennsylvania. I was like, huh, all right. So I was Dude, you can hunt elk all across the Great Plains. Yeah. Uh, now <laughs> I'm surprised were, at how many elk opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. I just did um, Nebraska. I just saw they're opening up a general season in the summer because they're going down for, over from Colorado and stuff. And you can get in with a farmer. I want to, like 80 bucks and then go hunt their farm <laughs> wow that's yeah. a deal there that is so but i mean that, that goes back to kind of like the bear hunting like that'd be interesting the flats of nebraska hunting elk there yeah i mean wow uh i'm just trying to picture that it's really hard to picture some of those animals on the landscape which is unfortunate because they were all there it's yeah. just uh you know people got a little greedy back in the day yeah but yeah yeah have you read um have you read any of like the early explorer stuff where they talk about all the different species they they encountered across north america it's been a while since i've read it but i watched a lot on the history channel on it yeah they get yeah. they got a lot of the bison sightings in like houston texas mm -hmm. which yeah i would if, if you've ever been to houston i nothing against people there my best friend lives there uh it is far too much concrete for my liking and yeah. the thought of a, a bison walking around there I, I just it boggles the mind yeah i remember one day started pushing for when they introduced wolves here in arizona 
people started pushing for grizzly bears to get reintroduced. I was like, what? And I started researching, but like grizzly bears used to be from Arizona all the way into Mexico. It's oh, yeah. like, it, it always blows people's minds too. And I'm like, they talk about like, I'm like, yeah, we have jaguars. You can possibly see hunting. There's some hunters that run into them. I'm like, what? In Arizona? I'm like, yeah, we got jaguars here too. It's just all the different species of animals that there are. You know, I think that would be the one thing that, uh, you know, I get, I've been asked a lot, do I have predators on there? And uh, I don't because I, I, if a state doesn't require you to take the meat out, I don't put it in my database. And yeah. that's just a kind of a simple line that I found that I can stay pretty true with. Uh, because if, you know, it's right alongside gardening and, and fishing and, and foraging. And so it's trying to keep it food focused. And uh, I feel like, you know, some people don't like that and it's nothing against predator hunting at all. It's just, I think for this service, it just kind of falls outside of the scope. Yeah. I mean, have you found like a lot of states don't require meat to be taken out outside of like coyotes, not, I guess? Not several, but not several, but there are, there are a few states specifically around predators where they yeah, just, just say, or, yeah, where they, they have a stipulation where it's, it's encouraged, but not required. And uh yeah, that's just one of those lines I've drawn. Yeah, in Arizona, that's every you have to take meat from everything but coyotes and foxes. Okay. But, yeah, and that's why I I've also like stayed away from coyotes and stuff like that. Yeah, just because I feel that's like little... uh, yeah, the number of people that yeah, it's it's a weird balance issue. Yeah, I mean every state also though that I know that has coyote hunting, I don't know in Virginia, but at least out west it's year round. You know, right, and that gets into another fishing thing where it's just like, does this deserve to occupy so much space on your food source dashboard? Nah, not necessarily. Yeah, I don't know. I've heard coyotes good. I've never tried it. I've never had the guts to do that. I gotta say, after <clears throat> after skinning out a bear and seeing what's underneath, it was it was shockingly uh, human like. If I had to to guess, yeah, I feel like I'd be pretty uncomfortable uh, skinning up a coyote. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's kind of where I mean I haven't shot money, but like out on my hunts or if I'm out scouting, I see them. I'll take them, but just because there's just there's so many around here, but I I don't feel when I come home to my dog, I'm like, dang, it'd be kind of weird to eat this thing in front of my dog, <laughs> you know, in a sense. <laughs> or but, your dog would love you more than it ever has. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, it's an interesting balance. I mean, because here in Arizona, we've, we've expanded so much where, I don't know if, you, if there's like an app called Nextdoor where it's like a community app and everybody that's like moved here into city, people are like, coyote alert. I'm like, and I grew up in like the country of Arizona. I'm like, we had coyotes in our backyards. Like if people are freaking out, I'm like, it's just a coyote. Don't, yeah. don't, let, don't let your dog out or don't let your little dog just run around. It has just a bad chance of, getting swooped on by an owl or a hawk as a coyote coming to hop your right. face. Oh, right. have, have you, um, are you, one thing I, you have you expanded, are you going to into like waterfowl and all that, like through the different flyways or? Oh yeah. So I have, um, I am making a push. So last year was definitely big game focused, uh, some small game. It was simple this year as I'm just adding to it. I'm, I'm definitely making a, a push to add ducks, geese, all the waterfowl and migratory game, uh, game birds and, and stuff like that. Because a lot of states are, are pretty clear and it, it provides that cohesive North American experience. Yeah, no, it's, it's, really, it's really amazing how the, all the states really, I mean, states are so usually ununified when it comes to wildlife management and hunting where they all seem to be unified around birds and it's pretty it's pretty interesting i know it's well it's it's the federal it's governed level. by the yeah. yeah the fish and wildlife service yeah but still it still seems like to, oh good oh i said it still seems like there's those states though whatever the federal fish and wildlife service says they usually ignore it at times you know it's weird when it comes to like the birds where they don't they're like oh yeah we all agree on birds but you know managing different right. types like the north american model and you know everything else it's like like well we get it but we aren't necessarily going to follow it even though that's kind of what the feds federals are saying but birds exactly but yeah, 
but and that's Virgil- where they start to have conversations about uh, about federal funding and stuff like that, right? That's where they the weight starts to get flexed. Yeah, exactly. I know Arizona, like the big push, everybody wants to get rid of like the BLM land out here and turn it back to the state, which I'm like, yeah. I don't, I don't really. Man, you give it to the state in one or two budgets where they're trying to c- close a uh, mysterious hole and all that land's gone. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, this, I mean, in BL, the state trust land out here, it's, it's really good, but it's, it's like you can't drive on it. You can't. You can't enter unless you have a hunting or fishing license. Like there's just so many stipulations oh, wow. to, to state trust land where it really would limit. I mean, I guess as a hunter, it'd be kind of good, but like for trying to get more people into the outdoors and experience the outdoors would really limit their participation into it. Yeah. You know, I, we just went on this Colorado trip and I was, uh, I was surprised to see that, you know, we had tenting, uh, camping gear and all that stuff and we did camp several nights, but one time we had to get a hotel because we were we were going through all this public land that we I mean we had GPS coordinates for and we really expected to get some really stunning camping spots but the first come first serves were all taken the uh, the backcountry uh, dispersed camping interestingly was fenced off and so we we encountered these long stretches of road which you should be able to get out on but then every spot where you could actually stop to disperse camp, they had these signs that were saying, you know, keeping people off because of uh, reclamation, because they've had so much pressure from people from not having anything to do during COVID getting out into the woods, which is really cool. But then on the other hand, it seems like it's caused so much damage in some of these prettier spots that they're struggling with, like keeping it wild. Yeah. Yeah. I remember with that big floods in Yellowstone people are like well this is actually good for the wildlife that half the Yellowstone won't be accessible for possibly a year Which, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah we do forget like wildlife does need a break oh certainly absolutely yeah. and you know that kind of brings me around to what I've, I've started learning about season report is as I have as I hear from more gardeners that are not interested in hunting but interested in finding out when they should be wearing bright colors on their hikes or hunters who are starting their, their gardens and stuff like that. I'm, I'm starting to understand the scope of it where everybody who cares about those wilderness areas and the healthy ecosystem, keeping all these animals on the landscape, they all are very united around preserving all that. And they're usually all united around the food they put on the table. And it's caused some really interesting conversations where these two groups are interacting. And I think at the end of the day, like if I could, channel all the the strength from this towards something like conservation i think that would be like a, a ultimate goal of a service like this yeah that would be amazing yeah because really everybody now especially nowadays i feel is sees only one side to their side or no side and really trying to bridge right. that gap is something you know i feel really needs to help we try to we try to do it dustin and i like just do this podcast it sounds like you're trying to do the exact same thing but it's, it's gonna take more than three people to do it <laughs> yeah well and if you look at things like um you know the pebble mine uh halt that happened yeah. uh was it last year uh that was only possible because you had a whole lot of voices all pointing in the same direction there were plenty of people who were fishers uh, fishermen fisherwomen and people who don't like to fish Everybody came together like, hey, this is, this is dumb for us to destro- potentially destroy this very valuable resource. And I think uh, the more voices you can align around something like conservation, you know, I mean, that's the only thing that they can get through Congress right now, right, is yeah. something that benefits the public lands because everybody understands the common good there. Yes, that's very true. Yeah, we don't No, not everybody wants to just see buildings all around them. <laughs> that's for sure. No, it's, it's startling here. Uh, in Virginia, it's like every every time you drive to a city you haven't been to in a year, on that drive, there's more wilderness taken away for for just housing that looks bad within two or three years. Like they they build it cheap, and at the end of the day, all right, you, you build something that's not going to replace the forest. Yeah, well, it really sucks. That's how it's becoming in Arizona. It's not so much the actual like land wilderness, but it's a lot of farmland, which I mean is the same as losing wildernesses. The farmers have sold in Arizona. They can't. They can't build it wide. They build it up now. 
So you're seeing like little parcels of land with huge skyscrapers going every which way. Yeah. I think uh, the person who figures out how to make it more profitable for people to tear down and rebuild on one plot of land versus buying new and ripping all that habitat down, that person is going to have their name in the history book. Yeah. I I 100% agree. I'm surprised Musk hasn't came up with something like that, honestly, with all the renewable stuff he comes up with or reusable. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, yeah, I've seen, I know it's, it's really like the second half of what, you know, Pinchot and Roosevelt and Muir and all them did with establishing hunting seasons in the first place. They recognized that selfish draw of a human trying to, trying to get a resource, right? And then they kind of turned it against itself. So, yeah. I mean, if you're looking for summer reading, I don't think anybody could go wrong with uh, Roosevelt, right? No, I love I love Roosevelt. I actually, I was just, um, I didn't know they had a documentary about him on the History Channel and just popped up on Hulu the other day. And I started finally, because I love Roosevelt, and started watching that and really learning a lot more just, because I always read about him on the conservation side, but really learning his story yeah. of coming up and like how he got into hunting and conservation was really, was really interesting. Oh yeah, no, he, um, it, I think it might be one or two. Oh yeah. Here's like a part of his three-part biography. Uh, I think the riot by Edmund Morris. I mean, it's like 2000 pages when you're all done with it, but it's, they break it. He does such a great job of breaking it in, into different parts, like his ascent, his presidency, and then still the crazy crap that he did after the presidency. <laughs> and, uh, man, that guy, I, I was talking to somebody who was, uh, trying to figure out what were we talking about? We were hiking and we were, oh, they actually had somebody, uh, lots of details that, that you don't care about, but they know somebody who works at a Teddy Roosevelt history center or something like that. And uh, they were struggling with how to, uh, to reach kids with it. And I just said, well, you know, he, he's basically Batman, right? <laughs> and they, they hadn't heard that line before. Are you familiar, familiar with the, uh, the comparison there? No, I'm not. So he, I'm not a big comic book person, but um, it's, it's pretty interesting. So, you know, Batman's parents get shot in front of him, right? Uh, he turns his whole life towards fighting crime, stuff like that. Roosevelt had his wife and his mother die on the same day. And he was this guy that always reading, always writing in his journal. And then that day he just wrote, the light has went out in my life. And he doesn't record anything in his journal for like years. It's, it's quite a turn. So that's what prompted his move out to North Dakota because he was from a, a moneyed family in New York City. He goes out to North Dakota, basically trying to endure a, a painful, slow death that matches what he just experienced with losing those two women. Yeah. And then and he just gets out there and grinds and grinds and comes to, to fall in love with the, the landscape. And then the rest is history from the conservation side. And he came back as a, as a force for you know protecting all this stuff and i mean he parallels batman pretty well yeah he really does i never even thought of it that way yeah did you got any questions dustin i know i do most of the talking sorry i get to talk and sometimes i just don't shut up <laughs> no 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 worries i was going back to the uh the canned food stuff oh yeah it messed me up with that <laughs> uh have you ever canned yeah, I, your meat. I've canned some deer meat a couple times, and it's. I'm trying to think, you know, I don't remember putting salt. I mean, you a little dash of salt, a little beef bouillon cube, and then put it in the pressure cooker, and the juices come out, and they mix together, and all, and it just, it wasn't salty or nothing like that. So I don't know if it was his recipe or not, but he was saying like, yeah, you kind of gotta. It seemed like it was a mix between pressure cannon and salt curing. He was like, yeah, he kind of got to rehydrate a little bit because he was mentioning he adds enough salt to, I guess, okay. put down the bacteria content, which uh, he didn't make it sound very appetizing. <laughs> All right, now Dustin. I'm with you. Dustin uses the pinch and he uses the pound. Well, you know... I make jerky and it calls for all kinds of special curing salts. And I find if I know I'm going to eat it within like a, what a week, 
I just make it up with a little bit of normal salt and just leave that part out because you really only need that for curing. No, that's how I make my jerky. I mean, I jerky's gone within like the first couple of days. As soon as I start getting into it, I'm like, oh, this isn't going to last very long. You know, I tell myself I'm going to try to make it last. Now, I did buy some of that curing salt because one time I found a bag that was uh, at the bottom of the, of the backpack that I hadn't got to. And it was, it was probably pushing five days. I, was like, well, I mean, I still ate it, but I was like, uh, it's a little more wet than I uh, care my jerky to be. So yeah. I probably need to start making it with the amount of salt that it calls for. Oh, that's funny. Do you uh, dehydrate yours or how do you make your jerky? Uh, I just, I follow a, a Hank Shaw recipe where it's just soy sauce, uh, shallots, lime, uh, and soak it overnight and then put it on the smoker for like okay. five hours at 170. Yeah. Gotcha. I'll have to try smoked jerky. I did a uh, dehydrated jerky, but I'll have to give that smoked jerky a try. Maybe not burn my hands. No, I just got one of those. I just got one of those little uh, tubes that you fill out. So, you know, the Traeger kind of thing has the, the, the pellet auger. Yeah. But it still has to have a, a hot fire in there. And my buddy got me one of those, um, those tubes that you pack with the pellets and it just cold smokes. And man, that, that really changes the game. I did some, like I was mentioning earlier, some smoked cheddar and it doesn't melt because we tried uh smoking some cheese in the in the pellet grill just straight up but it turned into a puddle so the cold smoking man it, it really changes the flavor profiles you can get oh that, yeah that sounds good now i'm getting hungry <laughs> i'm always hungry though <laughs> oh perfect well yeah if you don't have any do you have any more dustin for him or um, I'm good for right now. You good? Yeah. Well, Chris, yeah, Chris. I appreciate, I appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah, thank you very much uh, for coming on. You know, we always love talking with you. Maybe this time we'll have you on, not closer, not have such spread in between. You know, once you get the Canada launch, we'd love to have you come back on. Or, heck, you know, we talk enough on Instagram and stuff. You just message me, hey, <laughs> you want me to come back on? We're more happy to have you come back on just to chat. Um, awesome. And it was great okay. chatting with Chris again. Always great to have him on. You know really cool to see the features that he's coming up with at my season report. And if you are in Canada, get ready. It'll be coming your way. Oh man. Well, as we talk about changes, we talk about hunting. Um, you know, we about six months ago about, I talked about, we talked about Wyoming and how they reduced their non-resident applicants from non-resident draw percentage for moose mountain goat, bighorn sheep, and kind of their main animal, like the rare animals, quote unquote, um, to 10% non-residents could draw those tags. Wyoming is back at it again. You have until July 1st at 5 p.m. mountain time to, to they're seeking public comment for some changes coming up. Uh, the first change that they're thinking of is allocating in the number of antelope licenses from two to one. Um, which I guess who needs more than I guess one antelope I like don't think antelope meets really something you're going to survive off of just because of how small they are well, that's why you need more than one I, I guess that's true <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's very true um and you know they're saying that they're doing this in order to increase the availability of tags um for hunters to come in um they also would establish a high demand antelope deer elk hunting areas on an annual basis and published high demand standards. These hunt areas shall be determined by averaging the previous three years of residence drawing odds for each individual unit type one, two, and nine licenses. High demand or HD hunting areas shall be those whose three-year average is 30% or less and all others shall be designated as standard demand. I don't, that sounds interesting. They would create a 90-10 quota split into high demand areas. So back to where 90% would go to Wyoming residents, 10% would go to non-residents. 80% um, for type one, two, and nine deer and antelope licenses, 20% to non-residents and 84% of type one, two, and nine elk licenses to residents, not 16 to non-residents. And 
after that, they're creating a waiting period after holding a high, uh, one of those HD licenses. Um, they would also create an outfitted non-resident license pool. With other states, they do do that. They don't have non-residents, but they have outfitter pools, which would eliminate the non-resident special license. But essentially you have to get with an outfitter and they give you some code you put in and draw it. And um, the last one would be creating a resident preference in leftover drawing. Essentially what Wyoming's doing, it's great for Wyoming residents, bad for the non-residents that have put in for Wyoming for 20, 30 years, because their limits are already slim. Now they're slim to none. And I mean, you can email Wyoming Department of Fish and Game and you can, you know, you can let your opinions hear about it. If I was a Wyoming resident, I would be loving these changes because that would be more opportunities to hunt. Yeah. Um, but um, it, it's gonna, it's going to be an interesting trend to see how this passes. You know, there are Western states that are slowly starting to limit non-residents or not like take either take the hunt away completely like they do trying to do in New Mexico with bighorn sheep only allowing residents to put in for their bighorn hunts or limiting it so small that really only residents could apply um as someone that one of the states I have never put in for is Wyoming just because of all their crazy rules they already have around it <laughs> I'm glad I haven't put in for that one yet because I'd be pretty upset if I did um, other rules like for hunting mountain goat and weird other rules in Wyoming, you can't hunt their wilderness, state wilderness areas without a resident or a guide. But if you and I were going to take pictures, we could go in that same wilderness area without a guide just by ourselves. Now they, have, they have weird stipulations for non-residents. Um, but if you have the opportunity to move and you like to hunt Western big game, I would be moving to Wyoming because you're going to be able to draw a lot of tags here in the next couple of years if this keeps on going. Or you just buy a house there and just stay your resident. Yep. <laughs> Get that driver's license. It was funny. I was actually at a uh, fish and game meeting here, and they had a one of the fish and game officers here. That's what he's tasked with doing for the state of Arizona. He's teaching other states how to find the people that claim they're residents but are really non-residents. So just be sure you don't have fish and game on your Instagram or Facebook. <laughs> But we do not condone Blaking the law here at DND Outdoors. That is correct. <laughs> but just just don't say we told you to do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But it's it'll be interesting. It's gonna. I would like to see, which I'm sure I could do more digging. The number, the amount of revenue that would be lost from this, if there would be any, because there's still going to be those people that hope to get it that still be putting in. It'll be an are interesting, they, but are they paying to put in to draw for a license? Yeah, every state in the West, you have to pay a small game, your hunting license. So that's like free to go small game hunting, which ranges for non residents between anywhere between about, I think it's 130 in Arizona, but 200 in Idaho or something like that. You have to pay for that. And then for each animal you're selecting, is anywhere between five to $20 for a non resident just to put in. And then if you get drawn, the $20 is debited from the total bill, but the $200 isn't. Because no matter what, you need that hunting license in order to hunt with your big game permit. That's crazy. Yeah. So there's a lot of revenue that comes in from these draws. But, I mean, the big money is, you know, you're going to pay $1,000, $2,000, $3,000 for a bighorn sheep, mountain goat, or goose tag, moose tag. And that's a lot of revenue coming in from the state from there. I mean, I'm sure a lot of these, a lot of revenue from the state comes in, I mean, from those specific ones, but is it that the amount of residents that can get drawn for these hunts, because there's typically only about maybe total of 15 residents at, not, I'm sorry, 15 non-residents at most that can get drawn for these hunts just for tag allocations for them. Anyways, with the 10% crap, it could even be maybe one or two per species you know and you're only really missing out on thirty thousand dollars then does it really cost out way when especially when a lot of these hunts that people these like the mountain goats the special animals they can only find certain states 
um, one of the once a lifetime opportunity hunts like Mount to go in that where you have the governor's tag and the commission's tags that go to these organizations that raffle them off for 200 to $400,000, the highest bidder. I mean, so is that $30,000 you potentially could be missing out on from a non-resident drawing that you're still going to get because people are still going to put in for those tags really going to make a difference. And I think it doesn't. So I don't think this has any effect on the game and fishers bottom line. Now, if they get rid of the Pittman-Robinson Act, they might need some more non-residents to come in. But at the end of the day, I don't think see the rewards being reaped from a 30,000 30, bucks. I mean, sounds like a lot, but what? That, you can't even buy pretty much a new truck for your one officer for 30 grand to go out on patrol. Brand new trucks here are pushing what sixty thousand? Yeah, but think of it: if you're a game of fish, you have to add on the light packages, all the other special police stuff. Okay. So at the end of the day, it sounds people say the money that they're losing. Well, are they really losing that much money? I don't think so, especially when you have some big oil tycoon or like the I've heard rumors like the owner of Chick Fil A here in Arizona like buys up a lot of the main governor and commission tags that go for 250000 to $400,000. You're not missing that much money. At the end of the day, that 30000 starts looking really minuscule. Uh, 30000 to me, that was a whole lot. No, no, I, I agree. But I'm saying like in the big scheme of like on a state agency level, that 30000 that you could be missing out on, I don't think, that you're still going to get though, by the way. So now coming down it's really who's going to be putting in how much you're going to be losing i you aren't making that much money you might be making 15 to twenty thousand, maybe from these non-resident applicants i'd like to think it'd be more than that i don't know I, yeah i mean probably blow my mind to see the the wildlife budget for the year just yeah I'm, I'm going to see if I can find how much Wyoming makes off of big game draw here real quick. So let's see here. All right. So Wyoming, let's see, license the cost. If you draw, if you're a non-resident in Wyoming, it's going to be a $15 application fee on top of a 2.5% processing fee <laughs> just to process it if you get drawn or elk that's gonna be 707 dollars for non-resident 62 dollars for a non-resident or for a resident i'm sorry moose is 1997 bighorn sheep's 2335 montego is 2177 it's not as much as i thought but I mean, so you, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see how, uh, how they're going to be losing too much money at the end of the day. The government will not lose money. So what's going to probably happen is the drawing fees will go up. They will make their money one way or another. If yeah. They going down, then they'll start tweaking with the prices and all and they'll end up making more money yeah yeah it's i mean very very interesting very interesting to say the least but we'd like to thank you guys for listening to d and d outdoors you can find us on youtube now so be sure to check us out on youtube we'll link the page in our facebook and instagram you can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever you like to listen to your podcasts at. Uh, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at DD Outdoors. And I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. And if you're heading to work soon, it will be over quickly. Hopefully, you have a cool boss that doesn't make your life hard on you. <laughs> have a good day, y'all. <laughs> uh, where can everybody, you know, that didn't listen to our last episode? I think last time we we talked, we had about a hundred listeners. We're up to about 
900 now. So we've gone, nice. we've gone way up. So for people that hey, haven't heard, thank you. But for the people that have, weren't able to listen last time, where can, you know, everybody find your, my season report ad and, you know, follow you on social media and all that. Yeah. Seasonreport.com is the website and on Facebook and Instagram at my season report. Uh, you can find me there and I'm always announcing the updated information. And like I said, that everything is constantly growing. I'm over half a million individual food opportunities across the country at this point. And so it's just ever growing. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. And we'll definitely tag everything also in our social media when we get you out there, but yeah, thank you again. Um, for coming on we look forward to watching season report grow appreciate it y'all have a good one yeah thanks